0: So our gospel today, or in our gospel today, we have two men called the Sons of Zebedee, also known as the Sons of Thunder. And I think we kind of get why their nickname is the Sons of Thunder, because they ask a very um, bold question for the Son of God, if you will. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. I think it's amazing that a thunderbolt didn't come and strike them down right there. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. Uh, and the, the beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't, like, strike them down. I mean, the, the beautiful thing is that Jesus actually entertains the question. And then he actually kind of fosters and says, what, is the, what will it be? And he, and he listens to them and he hears them out. And basically what these guys are getting at, 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 the, at the very root of things, is what they want and what they're seeking and what they're pursuing is something that we're all pursuing. And that is greatness. What, what they're pursuing and we're we're pursuing is greatness. Now the way they're doing it is kind of like, you know, kind of like a backwards, like, you know, let me just get ahead of everybody else and we're going to deal out with the Son of God so that then, you know, we don't really have to earn it. We'll just, we'll just have a place repaired as it is. But Jesus doesn't exactly buy into that. What Jesus instead shows them is that you too can have greatness. It's not a, it's not a big deal. You too can pursue it. But you've got to do two things. If you really, truly want to be great. And those two things which apply to James and John are two things which apply to us. The first thing that we need to do, according to the Son of God, in order for us to be great, is to be people who know how to suffer. People who know how to suffer. Now this is, this is kind of an odd thing to hear about, and I think like, but I think it's something that needs to be addressed. We often talk about suffering and, and Christianity and suffering and Catholicism, and I think we get it all wrong whenever we do. I think often whenever we talk about suffering, we kind of we kind of like get this like this like dark mentality. If we want to suffer well, we've got to like be really upset with our lives, like you know all of a sudden like you know become like like I don't know like like a gothic person, like you know start like you know putting like wearing like black makeup and stuff like that, and like you know hissing at people. Like that's not the Catholic version of of, God, of, of, of suffering. We're not here to just sit around and, like, drag everybody down. No, that's not the idea of suffering at all. The, 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 the beauty of suffering, and the beauty of suffering is, that Jesus points out, is actually something else entirely. And actually, I didn't really learn much about it, and really didn't really discover it, until I started, until I moved into a different dorm at seminary. Whenever I moved into this dorm, I lived next to an Iraqi war veteran. He was a Marine. And one day after, after kind of talking with him, he started disclosing all the stuff that he went through in Iraq and kind of all the suffering that he experienced. And it was fascinating. The guy had like several near-death experiences. At one point, a bullet from a sniper rifle came and hit him, like hit, not hit, hit the, the windshield of his Humvee and stopped right there because by the grace of God, the windshield was bulletproof. But had that windshield not have been, he'd have been dead on the spot. Another time, he was, he was in his Humvee, and, and there, they hit an IED, an improvised explosive device, and it went flipping, but he somehow made it out alive. Times like these over and over again that he experienced while in the country of Iraq, and it scared the heck out of him. But one of the things that I found was so fascinating about his explanation of these sufferings, his explanation of war, was that as he was being shot at, as he was being blown up, He told me he never felt so alive in his life. He never felt so so much thrill, so much vigor, so much excitement. Because at those moments, after he had realized that the bullet was stopped, after he realized that the bomb didn't get into the cabin of the vehicle, after he realized that he wasn't going to leave Iraq in a body bag, he realized that he was alive. That he had maintained and received the gift of life. That he had another minute to live. That he had another second to live. That he had another day to live. That he could keep going. And that his life wasn't cut short like that. And that he could continue on. He said it was like for the briefest of moments, it was an exhilarating feeling. Because all of a sudden, he recognized for the briefest of times that he had the gift of life. That he had something to live for because he didn't deserve to live at all. And I think that's what suffering is. I think that's a purpose that God gave us suffering for. Very often you and I can tend to sleepwalk through life, let's be honest. We've got tons of tools to do it. iPhones, television. Instagram, all kinds of manners in which we can just kind of like, like kind of put our minds into this like cyberspace and never like and like you know totally disengage from reality and just become absolute zombies. And look, you know we all we all do, we all fall into this stuff. But the beauty of suffering is suffering kind of shakes us out of that. Suffering kind of rattles our cage, not in a bad way, but in a good way, to kind of recognize that there's more to life than that. If you will. And I like this, and I stand by this analogy, suffering is kind of like God's spiritual alarm clock for us. I don't think anybody in this church will raise their hand, and if you do, please don't do it, please don't actually raise your hand and do this, but I don't think anybody in this church would raise their hand and tell me that they love their alarm clock that their alarm clock's like somehow they're a little baby and, you know, they just they just, they just just love going to bed with it and their alarm clock, you know, just comforts them in so many ways. That's, no, nobody thinks that. Everybody, I don't know if I, everybody, I mean, I paid a lot of money for my alarm clock. I hate the thing. I mean, come on, it always, like, you know, rattles my cage. It wakes me up out of these awesome dreams that I'm having, these, like, wild, crazy adventures where I'm, like, killing ninjas and things like that. I have weird dreams, I know, but, like, you know, like, I like, I like this stuff, all right? And he's got to wake me up out of it. It's the same thing with suffering. Suffering's constantly waking us up out of our fake fantasies, out of our little dream worlds, out of our kind of like zombie land that we can tend to get into. And as much as we hate it at the moment that it's going through, later on we come to thank it for its existence. Kind of like the alarm clock. We can't stand the fact that it's going off. But by the fact that we made it on time to our class or maybe just about five minutes late, you know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, just like by the fact that we were kind of somewhat close, by the fact that we we were even up, we actually begin to appreciate the fact that it was there. And that's what suffering is meant to do. Suffering is meant to wake us up. Suffering is meant to open our eyes. But the only way for us to allow suffering to do that is if we suffer well. If we suffer well. If we're constantly running from suffering... If we're constantly running from difficulty, if we're constantly running from our crosses, our burdens, our responsibilities, then suffering will drive us crazy. Our dreams, our fantasies that, 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 we, that we go through whenever we're asleep, whenever we're zonked out, whenever we're not focused, become nightmares like that. And we live in these nightmares if we refuse to wake up. And they become worse and worse and worse and worse if we don't suffer well. If we don't embrace our cross. If we don't accept the fact that we are called to suffer, we are called to lay down our lives. And the way to do that, plainly, is through penance. Is through, through voluntarily putting our body through some sort of mortification. I'll give you three penances just right off the bat. My three most hated penances, which mean I actually kind of like them. I'm kind of a sick person, I know. The three, the three penances. Number one, take a cold shower. You want to wake up? You want to like really like experience the, the beauty of hot air. You take a cold shower, you'll love it. I mean, man, it is it is awesome. Take a cold shower, you'll appreciate hot water for the rest of your life. It's incredible. Next one, sleep on the floor. Uh, let's let me tell you something. We sleep pretty good as Americans. We sleep in nice, comfortable mattresses. A lot of us have Tempur-Pedic mattresses. It's pretty nice, but a lot of us kind of take these, this comfort for granted. And if you want to avoid that. Just spend the night on the floor. You'll see how awesome your mattress is in no time. The other thing too, and this is the easiest penance, don't eat fast. Avoid food and get hungry. You'll begin to realize how awesome food really is. What a gift from the Lord food can really actually be. And only then, whenever we really begin to shock ourselves and wake ourselves up with this penance, only then will I dare say that we will ever learn how to do the second thing. The second thing that Jesus asks us to do if we want to be great, and that is to serve. That is to serve. Men and women who serve, in my opinion, are very, very hard to come by. There's just not a lot of us out there. I I mean, I, more, most of them, I don't even let myself in that category. Because let's be honest, a lot of our acts of service tend to be something that we just kind of do for ourselves. They kind of just be modes or venues just to kind of boost our self-esteem. It's very rare that we actually do real acts of service for the good of somebody else. It's very rare that we do good acts of service with ourselves completely excluded. Very often, oh, excuse me, very often we tend, to, we tend to do acts of service just, just in, a, in a very narrow kind of mind. But what Jesus shows us is that the way to break out of that narrow mindedness is by first suffering well. Because what suffering well does, what embracing the, the issues and the cross of our life does, is kind of the same thing that the bullets and the explosions did for my Iraqi war veteran's friend. My my friend, my friend in, in, who's an Iraqi war veteran. They wake us up. And they begin to foster something deep down inside of us called gratitude. And only whenever we're really grateful for the fact that we're, for, for the fact that we're alive. Only whenever we're really grateful for the simple things, only whenever we're really grateful for the gifts that God has given us, will we ever be able to be completely indifferent to ourselves? Will we ever ever be able to look at somebody else and say, you know what, I want you to have some of this joy. I want you to have some of this comfort. I want you to have some of this protection. The same protection that God gives me, I want you to know about. And that's why I'm going to serve you. That's why I'm going to give my life for you. Not so you can give something to me, because that's not service. Not so that I can feel good about myself. But so that you might just know a little bit on how much the Lord loves you. That's what it means to serve. That's what it means to lay down our lives. And that is probably one of the happiest ways you and I can ever exist. If you want to see men or women who've really suffered and served, look at some of the greatest saints on the planet. I'll give you three. Mother Teresa, there is nothing, I don't think any woman in in this past century has suffered more than Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa just forsake all luxury, forsake all riches, lived in a community with a bunch of other women, and she, I mean, God bless her, that's beautiful, and and gave her life for this, for the purpose of, of serving the poorest of the poor. I mean, she, she forgave, just forsake it all for the purpose of the forest of the forest. And yet, look at Mother Teresa. Look at a picture of her. And what you'll see is not a sad woman. What you'll see is not somebody who's going crazy over the fact that she lives in a community. What you'll see is not somebody who's sad because she doesn't have any things. But you'll see somebody who's always smiling. You'll see somebody with eyes that are really, really big around. See somebody who's just happy- because God made her happy, because God gave her life, because God gave her joy. It's amazing. Another person to look at is St. John Vianney. St. John Vianney was a parish priest, and he was known for his terrible—his I say terrible—for his extreme penances that he would do on himself. I can give you an example. One of the things that he did was he wouldn't sleep more than three hours a night. And what he would sleep on wasn't the floor, he'd sleep on like a on a like a like pile of wood, like something that you go out and you stack, you know, to go like a firewood. It was amazing. And yet, if you look at a picture of St. John Vianney, you look at an image, actually there's a, there's a statue of him over at our cathedral, you'll see a very gaunt man. I mean, the guy probably weighed no more than like 85 pounds, he looks like he hadn't eaten in like four years, he looks like, anyway, he, looked, he could have used a cheeseburger, I'll tell you that. But... If you look at him, his eyes, yet again, are huge. And his face is in the form of a smile. This man suffered. This man served. And yet, this man was happy. No question about it. Another guy, another guy, probably my personal favorite, St. Francis of Assisi. Nobody was more alive. Nobody was more aware. Nobody was more awake than St. Francis of Assisi. He gave his life, he gave everything to follow Jesus Christ. I mean, the guy stripped down to next to nothing whenever he decided to do it. Actually, I think he stripped down to nothing. I don't advise you to do that, but if you do, St. Francis did it, so who am I to judge? Point being, though, is that he gave it all away. And because of that, every picture you'll ever see of Francis is a smiling, happy man. Because he suffered and because he served. So, my dear friends, maybe we can get a taste of that. Maybe we can start to embrace that. Maybe we can, too, be like Jesus Christ and learn how to do penance, learn how to suffer, and in doing so, learn how to serve our Lord and our fellow man. Amen.